everybody! Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brother. What is this Ira Glass voice you're giving me right now? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're just like, I'm Seth, and welcome to another episode of Classic, Classic Gaming, Gaming Brothers. Brothers. This is Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Ira Glass. Wow. What if Ira Glass heard this episode? He would feel... What if I want Ira Glass to be on our show? We can talk to him about the great american video game the game that we're talking about today is the great american video game but but i'm just using my npr voice because sometimes i need my npr voice it's because you're sleepy isn't it no i'm not sleepy he said that in the most tired sounding voice possible it's like that um it's like that uh i was gonna say woo ferrigno <laughs> what i really mean the incredible hulk <laughs> yeah but i'm really thinking about that other guy mark ruffalo yeah, Mark Ruffalo. That's who I was thinking. Uh, I couldn't place Mark Ruffalo. I, my brain was thinking of a Hulk actor, and I went past Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> which arguably I've seen in most of Hulk things, and went to Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my brain did that. I it just was like, blank out on Mark Ruffalo. And then I was like, Lou Ferrigno? Edward Norton? I can't place him. You skipped Edward Norton. You went straight to Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, that's... I don't know why my brain does things like that. Anyway, it's like the Mark Ruffalo meme where he's looking back and he says, I'm always tired. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, Seth, uh, yeah. outside of The Incredible Hulk, what have you been recently playing? Yeah, not any Mark Ruffalo games, unfortunately. I've been playing Siberia, The World Before which was released March 18th of 2022. It was developed and published by Microid Studio, and it's a culmination of the late Benoit Socal's steampunk universe. Benoit Socal has a very... If you took Willy Wonka and you made it steampunk, that's the kind of world that Benoit Socal has. Uh, it's very unique. And I played the first two Siberia games when they came out back in the uh, early 2000s or so. And then they released a third one in 2017. And now they're releasing this one. They just released this one uh, last year, 2022. And I played the first two, I guess, back when they came out in the 2000s. And they were really good. They're considered really iconic point-and-click adventure games. And they're, they're really great. The third one came out and really didn't have that great of reception. And I don't think I've played it. I might not even own it. Well, they decided to make a new new game called Siberia the World Before. So Siberia in that game world is back and it's a brand new story that can be played independently and has modern graphics. So I've been playing it and I've been enjoying it. If you've ever played, I want to say like The Longest Journey, Siberia 1 and 2 are pretty much like if you've Finish playing The Longest Journey and you're like, I want to play another Longest Journey game and you Google what games are like The Longest Journey, Siberia 1 will show up. And that's why I played it because I played The Longest Journey and I was like, that was a great game. I want to play something else like that. And so I played Siberia, which was also a great game. And so far, the Siberia The World Before has been uh, a pretty good adventure game, modern adventure game, but it's been pretty good. I'm just starting to peel the onion of the story, the story away where um, you, in, you play as two different people you play in two different times so you play as a, a woman by the name of dana 
and you're in the 1930s or 40s in this town and your character is part of a cast of people who are generally looked down upon as like the Nazis are kind of like arising and then you play as a woman by the name of Kate in the like early 2000s and you start off in a salt mine okay and i'm pretty sure it's run by nazis <laughs> so we can see how how that went um and i'm pretty sure the story will kind of show you how history went and connects it to and it'll eventually connect the two times there may be some weird time traveling who knows it's a siberia game but there will be 100% kooky steampunk uh, anima- automatons because the world is always full with uh, automatons and they're just like people. So like you'll be taking a train and the conductor will be part of the train and he'll be like waving and he'll be made out of metal and with like a cap and stuff like that. Or there'll be like a band and they'll be completely made of metal and they'll play like violins very and they, they're run on like steam and all that stuff uh so yeah so i'm excited about playing more of the game it runs great on my steam deck which as everyone knows is a criteria i recently just completed a game that zach has been recently playing we actually completed it around the same time so i didn't want to take his thunder it's also the premise of this entire episode so i didn't want to talk more about it so i instead wanted to talk about the game that i started after i beat that last game and that's siberia the world before so zach what game did we just recently recently beat together well the game that i've been playing and that you were playing is mafia the definitive edition um, which per sets frequent discussions of the mafia games i decided to give it a shot the game was developed by hangar 13 and published by 2k and came out in 2020 and it is a full remake of the 2002 game mafia and i really liked it i ran into some fun bugs uh in one sequence of the game you are chasing a car on a motorbike and the car got stopped at an intersection and kept revving into the car that was in the intersection but wasn't hitting it was just kind of like revving up against it and then the car at the intersection that was blocking the car i was chasing despawned and the car was chasing shot ahead like a bullet and caused the game to reset the checkpoint because it got too far away from me i actually had an issue with that same exact level (laughs) where i was chasing the car it went through the crowd of people and it goes into the t section and in the way it's supposed to play the car is supposed to take a right and it's supposed to continue to drive the way it happened three times for me was that the car turned right and struck another car, then backed up, did a Yui, and drove back through the crowd that I was going through, essentially makes it so that the car drives by you and they're shooting you, right? So in the the mission, you're supposed to fall behind the guy and they're not really supposed to get a good shot on you and you're supposed to keep distance the entire time. But when the car drives by you because it turns around and does a Yui, then they can shoot you a lot and they kill you. So... I got shot a bunch of times and died. I got off the bike to try and shoot them. And then they said they got away. I They literally said they got away when they were on my screen and I was shooting them with a gun. They're like, they got away. And I'm like, no, they didn't get away. I'm shooting them. <laughs> Eventually, I restarted enough that it worked appropriately. Uh, another issue I encountered was at the end of a cutscene. So the cutscene played out. It gave me the titles card for the next chapter. The game is divided into chapters. It then immediately said, Tommy Angelo has died. And I had to restart the checkpoint. <laughs> 
but don't don't take our criticism of the game. I, I think they did a really good job remaking it, and I think Zach shares my opinion. And that was the first time you played Mafia at all, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've played Mafia 2, but this is the first time I played the first like story in the Mafia series. And I actually really liked it. I mean, I thought that the glitches weren't enough to ruin my experience, and I thought it was a pretty good game overall. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was great. But uh, I don't want to talk too, too much about it because... It's a similar topic. story. Yeah, it's a similar story. I do want to say, though, if you are looking to play a game that's like a an action game, and it also is a little Grand Theft Auto-y, but it's like if Grand Theft Auto was set in the 40s. Also, I don't know if we talk about this, but it's a good thing to note if you're planning on playing either the Mafia game that we're going to be talking about or the remastered Definitive Edition. The physics are different in Mafia versus Grand Theft Auto. Cars handle a little more realistic. Um, and is a, a little sometimes a little difficult to to adapt to. Um, so that's always a good thing to know. I, I do like as time goes on in the game, uh, the technology evolves and the cars get better. I think that's fun. Well, I will say just as a minor critique um, that I did have with the game. So the game does encourage you to, well, it doesn't necessarily encourage you. In the beginning of the game, there's a moment where you like get to see your garage where you can like store your cars. And there's a character and he's like, yeah, Tommy, you can store your cars here. The game never really gives you an opportunity to go and get more cars right the definitive edition doesn't let you do i guess theoretically i could have just not followed the the plot of the game but the game really does try to handhold you through the storyline there is a free roam mode though where you can drive around the, the city collecting things that you might have missed or collecting cars and i think i will give the free roam mode a shot just because it does sound you know sounds like a it good just, time yeah it's just a fun style i do also want to say that if you play the definitive edition i think you will have a better time playing it i enjoyed it but i have i complained pretty much non-stop to zach about the change of voice actors because they changed every voice actor and i don't like the new voice actors i like the original voice actors um so do yourself a favor if you're planning on playing the definitive edition play it all the way through then go and listen to what the voice actors in the original game sounded like. The Definitive Edition is also definitely more of a modern take of the game. If you play the classic Mafia game, uh, you will experience a game where everything didn't have to be about shootouts. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. So anyway, the topic of today's episode is Mafia, the 2002 game. Mafia was developed by Illusion Softworks in back in 2002 and published by Gathering of Developers, which sounds like a fun indie publishing house and eventually would go on to be part of the 2k army to start off in the beginning the company behind the game illusion softworks was founded in 1997 in Brno in the fairly recently established at the time czech republic the company was founded by peter Volshovsky and Jan kudera who established the company after Volshovsky's previous company Voshaki Trading. The development team was small, consisting of just about five people, but soon they were able to grow to about 40 people. Now, the company's first game was called Lured Land, a MS-DOS puzzle platformer released in 1997. The game focused on a country that was conquered by an evil wizard, with the main character taking the role of one of the two wizards who must stop the evil wizard. After this game, they in 1998, they released Leto's S. Oscarim, 
or Summer with Oscar, which is an adventure game that was steeped in reference to the Czech culture, but is very similar in tone to a Leisure Suit Larry, just Czech. Their next game, Hidden and Dangerous, saw release outside of the Czech Republic. That game was a tactical first-person shooter set during World War II. The game was released on Windows, Dreamcast, and PlayStation. Hidden and Dangerous scored fairly decently, with IGN giving a PC version of it a 7.6 out of 10, and GamePro giving it 4 out of 5 stars. It was also a commercial success, selling about 350,000 units globally by May of 2000, and surpassing... Uh, 1 million by 2007. While working on Hidden and Dangerous, development began on a new game that the team initially began as a fantasy RPG. However, they went to a trade show, and after going to the trade show, they decided they were going to change course because they wanted to make a game that they would personally want to play themselves. That's fun. You know what would be fun? If Tommy Angelo was... Uh, a fantasy mobster. Now, they started development on a driving game, originally in the same vein as the game Driver by Reflections Interactive, and the team at Illusion Softworks codenamed their game Gangster. Originally, they were interested in basing the plot on playing as a policeman, but the script was changed by director Daniel Vavra, and the concept of what would eventually become Mafia stuck. Now, the game was originally built on the same engine for Hidden and Dangerous, but was replaced during development as they found it wasn't able to perform up to their expectations. In the new engine, the team began developing the various characters that would make up the City of Lost Heaven. And one way to do this was by using analog joysticks to carefully morph each player's facial expressions. For voiceover lines, the animator would actually have to listen to the voices and animate each face in real time. Apparently the reason they used the joysticks was because it was they had control over the axes and it allowed for like careful manipulation of the of the mouth. I think they actually did a pretty good job. Their mouths don't seem unnaturally moving. There's certainly games from that era where they do seem unnatural. So. <laughs> or they don't move at all. <laughs> or they don't move at all. Now, because they had to change the engine, the game's development of time increased from two years to four years, and eventually it was released in 2002. In 2004, the game would be ported over to the PlayStation 2, and the Xbox, but Illusion Softworks was not involved in the porting. The ports would also exclude some features that would be in the PC game, such as police patrolling around in free ride mode, and other realism elements that were featured in the PC version. The game's story pulled inspiration from various mafia movies like Goodfellas and The Godfather, both of which were relatively fresh, especially during development. Like, Goodfellas was a 1990 movie, so like, and they definitely took a, a lot from Goodfellas, and they... Which, to be honest, Goodfellas takes stuff from Godfather. So, like, ultimately, I mean, mob movies build on mob movies. Um, but they also wanted to make sure the game felt realistic and bled in comedy with the serious film-like atmosphere. Now, the story takes place in 1930s Lost Heaven, a fictional town in Illinois that is based in part on Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York. Uh, Lost Heaven is divided into three boroughs. West Side, East Side, and Central Island. West Side primarily consists of the Chinese and Italian communities, Chinatown and Little Italy. East Side consisted of residential suburbs and slums, and Central Island is the city's commercial and municipal district. Lost Heaven is currently in the middle of a conflict as two mafia families are fighting for control over the city, the Salieri family, and 
the Morello family. And I, I want to say that playing this game in 2002, you have to think like Grand Theft Auto 3 was also out. But Grand Theft Auto 3 takes place in Liberty City where you do break into... So they, they there's like gatekeeping in Grand Theft Auto 3 where you can't really get into the other sections of the city until you get to a certain point in the yeah, plot. Yeah, yeah. Mafia, some... Like, you could just go to the other parts of the map if you want to explore. I think it's interesting the Los Angeles area is very much shown in the suburbs area because it's, like, set up on a hill and it has, like, a windy road to get up to. And I'm pretty sure there's, a like, a Hollywood sign somewhere, too. But it's a cool city. It reminds me that it feels like... I guess it's Los Angeles, right? Because L.A. Noir feels like that city feels very mafia-like. Um, like, they took inspiration from mafia, but really they just took LA and mafia took a little bit of LA but it's a cool lost heaven is a cool blend of blends of cities that really it feels like its own unique city yeah no I think they did a good job with um, kind of making it feel like a place that is lived in and a place that also feels realistic you can feel why there is a power dynamic between these families now in the game you take the role of Tommy Angelo a taxi driver who gets roped into helping two members of the Salieri crime family escape from an ambush uh, literally he's like waiting between fares and these two guys climb into the cab and they're like drive and he's like with okay. a gun <laughs> with a gun and, he's like, yeah. okay. and one of them shot and i'm pretty sure it's sam <laughs> uh you're introduced to sam and polly who end up giving tommy some money and he later joins up with the salieri family because some guys from the morello family try to beat tommy up and also wreck his car tommy goes to don salieri who offers him a position in the organization and uh one of his first jobs is going to go beat up some members of the uh, gonna go destroy some cars the game focuses throughout the years of tommy's employment starting in 1930 and ending in 1938 uh, where he begins assisting with various rackets overseen by salieri's consigliere frank coletti tommy Polly, and sam soon develop a bond as they run these various jobs and begin to gain the respect of don salieri as they stop don morello's plans to take over the businesses as the years progress tommy soon enters into a relationship with sarah who is the daughter of Salieri's bartender, Luigi. On orders from the boss, at one point, Tommy and Polly go to beat up a small gang of street thugs who have been harassing Sarah. During the conflict, one of the gang members is murdered, and it turns out that they were the son of a corrupt city councilor. And this is kind of where I think Mafia really gets into things. Like, I think up until this point, Tommy's been running these jobs, and I feel like there's kind of always been an out for him. I feel like this is the point where Tommy's like, well, there's no going back. <laughs> you say that, but realistically the time that tommy had an out was when they paid him and they said goodbye he's the one that was like they go over this in the definitive edition i can't speak on the original so seth will have to correct me but when tommy after tommy gets jumped by morello's gang and he goes back to the don the don's like all right how about i give you a small loan and we'll fix up your car and tommy's like no 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 <laughs> i want to beat these guys up yeah oh, no that's still the same the difference between the definitive edition and the uh original edition is that there is these two guys who have names in the definitive edition it's like Lou and something else. They go into the bar and Sam and Polly scare them and chase them out. In the original game, they go into the bar and they get killed. <laughs> There's just like flashes of lights and then that's it. They're both violent games. They're mob games. I don't think they're saying that there's not violence in either of them is is they're both going to be violent. They're I think they're both equally violent. 
They're different violence, though. I think there's nuances within the original that aren't shown in the Definitive Edition, but I also think the Definitive Edition also does its own nuances that I think have just some amount of the same, a similar impact. That's also an element of just also the you know, graphic fidelity of the time versus the graphic fidelity of 2002. If you want to keep violence realistic, back then it was a little harder to do realistic violence without being over the top, I feel like. Uh, yeah, or off camera. Now, the game progresses through the 1930s, including into the end of Prohibition in 1933 and so on, and eventually dealing with Tommy's disillusionment by his actions and ultimate disillusionment with the Salieri crime family. And without spoiling too much, Tommy doesn't necessarily stay with the crime family forever yeah and this is not a spoiler since this happens throughout the entire game the game takes place from the perspective and they're called intermezzos where tommy is regaling a guy at a diner about his crimes and essentially you play through tommy's stories as the game but realistically like in the game world all of these things have already happened so you're already been successful at all of them and you are going through and and having this conversation with this this cop named uh norman and if you're a mobster and you're having a detailed conversation with a cop named norman you're probably in a position where you no longer want to work for the mob and your objective is as a player is not necessarily to know like to find out that ooh, big reveal tommy is trying to get out of the mob it's how did he get to the position where he's having this conversation with this cop at a diner and we're not going to tell you that because i i think that with the definitive edition it is still a pretty fresh game on people's minds and it is a really well done story and i think if you want to play the classic or if you want to play the new one i think you're going to get a really good story regardless of which one you play it is one of those games that i will be like oh i think i need to play mafia like i just need to play that story it's such a good it's a really good arc especially if you're a fan of mob stories they definitely play up in the definitive edition more of his relationships with his family and they have some really really good scenes in the definitive edition of him with his family and really shows that relationship that he builds with sarah where in the original game sarah is just like a conversation piece she's not really in the scene uh so in the game that we're talking about she's really just this conversation piece now as we discussed this game takes place as you're playing in this crime family known as the salieri crime family however Don Salieri wasn't always the Don of Lost Heaven. In fact, he was originally a capo, which is uh, like a lieutenant, a higher rank than actually any of the three bros that you play. You know, like uh, Polly, Sam, and Aunt Tommy are all actually soldiers throughout the entire game. And Don Salieri was a capo of the first Don of Lost Heaven, Don Papone. Now, Don Salieri was a capo not only by, you know, he was not only just a capo, but he was a capo with another capo by the name of Morello. So Salieri and Morello, at some point in time in the 1920s, were capos together in Don Papone's organization. Sometimes toward the late 20s, Don Papone was allegedly killed in a deal gone wrong. And both Salieri and Morella blamed each other, and that caused the fissure in the family. But they decided to run two separate neighborhoods and stay out of each other's ways since they were friends. But 
as somebody in Mafia says, friendships ain't worth shit. And eventually, Don Morello and Don Salieri come to blows. Uh, there is an Easter egg in the original Mafia. In one of the missions, there is a man who looks like Don Papone sitting in the First National Bank and is talking to a bank employee about building a theme park in Hoboken. So perhaps maybe Don Papone is still alive and he's just somehow escaped out of the Mafia and letting his old... I, they're like almost like his sons letting his sons fight now the best part of mafia is definitely the characters and there are a number of characters you interact with throughout the game and one of the main characters beyond tommy angelo being the protagonist is a character by the name of polly now polly is an energetic and hot-headed guy who tends to be very friendly with Tommy and frequently cracks a lot of jokes. Now he's physically based on Joe Pesci's character Tommy DeVito from Goodfellas but his personality is more based on Sonny Corleone from The Godfather and Sarah describes him as being a nice guy who tends to suddenly snap into anger. He's also ballistic and he has trouble with alcoholism and trouble with getting women and also really has kind of like a he's just stuck in the mud and there's a point in time where he references that he's like 40 years old he's not married he still has this crappy apartment and he's just not going anywhere with the mob and that's kind of Polly in a nutshell. He's just kind of like an angry Italian that you don't want to mess with. Now, Sam, on the other hand, he's the straight man to Polly's chaotic force of nature. He tends to be more in the background, and he also tends to show extreme loyalty to the Don and the family. So if you're doing things for the with the Don in mind, Sam is, of course, always there for you. There's actually a moment where this definitely happens in the definitive version. I'm not exactly sure if it happens in the original version, but there's a time when Tommy turns in takes. So he's giving money to the Don from Polly and Sam and himself. And Tom's is a little heavier because he's covering for Polly's, which is not heavy enough. And the Don calls him out on it. But Sam's always comes in perfect, because Sam is very loyal to the Don. He actually ends up throughout the game coming off more as like a third wheel to like Tommy's and Polly's extravaganza. Also, in the original game, he's the one that gets hurt the most. Sam is usually the one injured. At some point in time, you have to bring him to like a mob doctor and stuff like that. He has a more of a late game pivotal type of role. And him, as I mentioned before, him, Tommy, and Polly are all soldiers in the Salieri crime family. Now, Ralph, Ralphie, is another character in the game. He is uh, the Salieri family's resident mechanic. Uh, Ralph is very good at breaking into cars, tuning them and repairing them, and that's about it. Uh, he really doesn't know much else uh, and also suffers from a stutter, which leads him to being teased by other members of the family. Lucas and Tommy, however, Lucas being a character we'll talk about later, are both friendly to Ralph, and everyone else is just kind of mean to him. Vincenzo is another character. He's the gunsmith for the Salieri family. Um, he's very, again, into guns and weapons, as you could imagine, by being the gunsmith. And Tommy first meets him when they are going to bust up some of Morello's cars, um, and he gives Tommy the weapon of a baseball bat, which I think is a very fun moment. And I, I watched the scene in the original, but like they walk in, Polly's like, "This is Vincenzo. You know, he's if you need if you need something, he's the guy to go to." And Vincenzo's like, "Oh, do you need a do you need a pea shooter or, or or a rod?" Talking about you know either a pistol or a rifle. And Polly's like, "Nah, we just need something to bust up some cars." And he's like, "Have I got something for you?" And he pulls out a baseball bat. 
Next up, we have Frank Coletti. Frank is the consigliere of the Salieri family. Consiglieri's actually played a very important role in mafia families. Uh, typically, they served as the direct advisor to the boss. Uh, this is a role that kind of, I think, uh, became fantasized a bit by things like The Godfather, and that's probably where people might be familiar with the term. But often, consigliere's are responsible for meetings with other crime families or organizing different things within the family, or sometimes even taking the role of the family's accountant. Uh, because when you're running a business, even if it's a criminal business, you still got to make sure someone leaves. Yeah, so someone still needs to balance the budget. <laughs> and those lights still need to find a way to turn on. Frank is really kind of the accountant, I think, of the family in many ways. Uh, he's His expertise is, lies in financial and legal concerns of the business. He also comes across as very inconspicuous and even almost gentle at times, though he has a tone that indicates that he has a darker side to him, potentially even a dark past. And Frank and Don Salieri have both known each other since childhood. Next up, we have Lucas Bertone. Lucas is a friend of Ralph. He's a very nice guy. However, he also likes money and helping out the mob. <laughs> in the original game, you can go to him for side quests to find luxury cars throughout the city. And if you bring them to him, he unlocks cars for you to drive around in. In the definitive edition, he's really only there for one scene where you bring a race car that you are getting fixed to crash to him and you have to drive the race car back home like back to the racetrack and the race car is falling apart literally so you have to like drive it a certain speed within a certain time frame it's obnoxious i did not like that mission at all <laughs> that mission's worse in the original edition just so you know that mission and the race mission let me tell you how worse it is if you play on classic mode or if you play the original edition first of all there are mods so that you can skip that race that's how bad it is <laughs> like that is one of the first thing that they look to mod there in the original version the there was like i'm pretty sure in the in the original game you had to drive it without getting it damaged right you couldn't hit things um and you need to get it there in perfect condition there was also a clock in the original game and you had to get there in a certain time and the faster you got there in the first part made it you had more time in the second part of the mission you weren't given you weren't given it independent you weren't given like two chunks of time you were giving like a clock that had a little like hour sign and it like so they in the original game they they have a clock that has like uh the time that you can do it and there's a red distance and that's your timer and when the clock hits the end of the red distance you run out of time and you you have to go to lucas bertoni's garage get it done and then turn around to drive it back before it goes through an entire like till one in the morning or something and it, you have you're like doing it at, like i don't know like 11 or midnight or something you have like uh, it's it's a tight tight time frame so that and of course the the race is very 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 difficult it's like in incredibly tough to go through um where it's it's yeah it's just a tough it's just a tough race after Lucas Bertone, we have, of course, Salieri. Don Salieri is the boss. Uh, he's the, the Don. Uh, he's a very traditional mobster where business is more important than friendship. Uh, and a fun fact, he's designed to resemble Polly Cicero from Martin Scorsese's 1990 film, Goodfellas, in both how he acts and looks. Polly Cicero was played by Paul Sorvino, who is the father of the original voice actor of Tommy Angelo, Michael Servino. Look at that. All comes around. Big circle. Also, there's Norman. Norman is the cop that's interviewing you throughout the game. He's Irish and he's a cop. Yeah. Everyone says Salieri like Salieri, except for Norman, who says Salieri. <laughs> Does the name Salieri mean anything to you? 
Salieri? It damn well does. The game debuted in sixth place in weekly sales rankings for computer games on its release in the United States, and by the end of 2002, it was listed by market research firm NPD Group as the ninth best-selling game. In total, the company would sell more than 2 million copies worldwide by 2007, which is five years after it was released, they hit 2 million copies. The game also did very well critically, with a lot of praise coming from the fact that it was seen as more of a serious version of the games like Grand Theft Auto. Auto 3, which is humorous to think about Mafia being the serious Grand Theft Auto 3 when Grand Theft Auto 5 is the serious Saints Rose. So it's like a scale of seriousness with Saint Rose being the most nonsensical and then like Grand Theft Auto's being like kind of serious but also silly. And then the Mafia games being super serious. IGN gave the game a 9.2 out of 10. GameSpot ranked it 9.3 out of 10. Game Informer gave the game a 9.25 out of 10. And the ports to the PS2 and Xbox, they did not fare that well. A lot of criticism came from the changes that were made. And they they were very inferior to the original PC games. Uh, the game was, however, a winner of various awards, such as GameSpot's Best Music Award, as well as being uh, nominated for the Best Single Player Action Game on the PC, the biggest surprise, which we have not ruined and will not ruin, best sound, best graphics, technical, best graphics, artistics, and best story, and game of the year. In the game's home country, the Czech Republic, the game received universal acclaim, and Mafia was elected the best game developed in the Czech Republic by Bonus Web, a Czech servicer. I, I'm glad that Mafia brought a bit of pride to the Czech Republic. Now, in terms of the legacy, a sequel, Mafia 2, was announced in 2007 and released in 2010 for PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. Reportedly, one of the reasons the game took a little time to make was due to the change of hardware that came with the jump to PS3 and Xbox 360. Now, if you think about it, from PS2 to PS3, it's a pretty big leap. So <laughs> uh, they they had to they had to make some make some put some effort in to get the game to work the way they wanted to. Now another sequel, Mafia 3, was announced in 2015 and released in 2016. And in 2020, 2K Games released. Mafia the Definitive Edition, which we've talked about already. Uh, it's a full remake of the first game, rebuilt from the ground up, including new, uh, whole new story beats, whole new voice actors, whole new character models, everything's brand new. And that launched in 2020 to generally positive reviews. The original Mafia also has a fairly active modding scene, with most recently part one of the Mafia Titanic mod releasing uh, in 2021, which recreates the RMS Titanic and adds a whole new storyline apparently it's been in development for years <laughs> 15 years uh it's also paused they released part one and they will probably not release part two anytime soon the mod creator has moved on to other hobbies uh so they're they're no longer doing active development but they also have been developing it for so long that they're kind of in a lost cost fallacy with it. So they're going to continue doing it forever. I'm actually very interested in this active modding scene for the original Mafia because I really like the original Mafia game. And I may go back and mod it heavily, including getting the Mafia Titanic mod. I may just download as many mods as I can uh, to see what we could do. As a as a point of order, Mafia 2 is actually a pretty good game. Uh, Mafia 3 is, is, is not. <laughs> um, I was actually... At packs in 2015 when they were talking about the when they were announcing mafia 
or like they were, it was right before it came out in 2016. I it might have been the PAX of 2016, and it was before it was released. But they because they had footage of the game, and it looked really cool. And I sat through the uh, the the entire panel of Mafia, and we I learned all about the Mafia stuff, and I was super stoked about it. And I bought it day one, and I didn't like it. So arguably, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. Mafia One is the best. It's the best story. It's the best arc. It's by far the best mafia game. Mafia 2 is good. It is a good mafia game. But in my head, I sometimes get it confused with the Godfather game and that game's not that great. So <laughs> it's probably it's a good game, but I wouldn't say it's the best mafia game. And then Mafia 3 is not that great of a game. It's not that the story is bad, it's that it makes you do game loops that are annoying in order to progress the story. So let's say you wanted to continue the story. Well, you have to do this stupid side quest thing multiple times before you can even go forward with the story. Uh, So I didn't have the temperament to even play the game through completely and it is not the best reviewed Mafia game. So my opinion, play Mafia 1, play Mafia 2, and then take a nap. Maybe, yeah, or maybe go back and play Mafia 1 again. (laughs) Just keep replaying them in that order. Yeah. In that order. Uh, Play the original Mafia and then play the original Mafia 2. Now, that will be our Mafia episode. We're going to get into our retro rewind where we're going to talk about games that we assigned each other last week. Uh, Seth had me play Outrun for the Sega Genesis. Outrun originally was an arcade driving game released in 1986 and ported to pretty much every video game console in existence. Um, I played the Sega Genesis version and it's a pretty great game. You play as a red convertible being driven by a dude with his girlfriend who is sitting in the passenger seat and your job is to avoid obstacles such as traffic and other objects in the road. Uh, It's fairly simple. You're pretty much just driving straight and occasionally turning. However, it kind of has a nice feel to the game. Especially when you master drifting. Once you figure out how to take those corners tight and quickly, the game really shines. I think it does hold up overall, but I do want to try out the original arcade cabinet, especially the one that has the motion simulator built in, uh, because that feels like that would be probably the best way to play the game versus using my Sega Genesis controller. Overall, Outrun's a great game. I think it holds up great. And uh, next week, Seth, I want you to play a Sega Genesis game. You can play Dick Tracy. All right. Zach had me play Scuba Venture, The Search for Pirate's Treasure. It's an exploration game where you play as a scuba diver who's exploring a wreck with a harpoon-type pistol gun. Uh, there are, and you can upgrade the pistol, well, you get upgrades throughout the game where you get limited, better pistols. There are various obstacles, such as fish, that you have to uh, avoid or shoot, and you have to locate treasure throughout the entire stage before moving on to the next stage. Uh, you refill your air with air bubblers set throughout the level, kind of like how Sonic does in Sonic the Hedgehog. I- it's interesting because it's it's an exploration platformer, but you can essentially fly through the stage because it's underwater. Uh, so the setting, like the level designs, designed for you to be able to essentially fly, which is cool because not a lot of games at the time were set that way. Or if they did, they had like the token water level where there was just like, there was one water level and that's it. This game, because it's a scuba game, takes place completely underwater all the time, which is unique. The graphics of this game give me the type of vibe that 
is makes me feel like I'm going to have to solve a math equation at any point in time. However, that doesn't appear. It's not an educational game at all, which is great because it feels like an educational game. But that may just be the type of coloring and graphics that I just associate with other math type games. It's, uh, like I said, no education, just gotta find treasure and blast fish. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think it holds up for what it is. Uh, there is some tension that can arise when you, uh, are going to run out of air um, and are trying to get to the next stage. And so, yeah, I think it's fun uh, and holds up to a point, I guess. For next week, I want you to play R-Type for the arcade. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned this uh, before we go on to the end. Scuba Venture, The Search for Pirate's Treasure, was released in 1993 and developed by Apogee Software, which we talked about in our last episode. It was also programmed by John Romero. Who programmed Doom. Apparently when they were developing uh, Scuba Venture, Apogee developed the title pretty much on behalf of id Software because they were working on a little project called Wolfenstein 3D at the same time. Uh, anyway, so Zach, next week you can play our type for the arcade, and that's going to be our episode. Hopefully, you all enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us, you can always send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can follow us and on social media facebook instagram and twitch at classic gaming brothers and twitter we're cg brothers pod uh you can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts and i think that's going to be everything oh check us out we're going to be at pax in march we just went to the uh we're going to be at pax in a couple of sundays we're probably going to we're gonna be at pax in a couple of sundays we're probably gonna do a pax episode like we usually do i did we do one last year i don't know if we did one last year um we may do a pax episode we also zach recently we i zach and i we recently went to a retro game show in rockland which was fun yeah the um the boston area retro show which was uh hosted by nostalgic games in rockland and uh we may record the pax episode at pax anyway Uh, Zach, am I missing anything? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. You have. And we've been the classic (laughs) gaming brothers. That's That's right.